Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station and at seattlesports.com. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Rain Marine Electronics, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Streaming live on MyNorthwest.com. Don't forget about the live video feed on MyNorthwest.com. And, of course, the venerable TheOutdoorLine.com with blogs, videos, so very much more, including podcasts. We are back. We're back. You're We're back. back. We're back. I've been back a little bit, but <laughs> we are back in studio. Last time I, I saw you is, was when we did the show uh, on, on the 21st, of, yes. on May 21st, from Sitka. And the enduring memory of that is going to be. I'm getting admonished for popping my peas here by stop popping e- your expert peas. expert producer and somebody that's going to be on a helicopter uh, tomorrow afternoon at Paragon Lodge. And we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that in just a minute. But uh, but 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 no, we we um, you know with my enduring memory of your last day in Sitka 2022 was like, all right. Well, look, we I got a little bit of time. My flight got delayed. <laughs> so let's let's take these guys out and go fishing, and then hur- hurry back, and then you guys go back out again. And I just look at you and I go, dude, it's you know it's a practical impossibility. Yeah, to to, to fish and fly on Listen, the same day. A guy can and, dream. And, and, and and the look on your face was was like I was like I took your puppy. You you love. I mean, I I'm 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 a terminal Sitkaite, right? Yeah. But but you, I could see it that. You've 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 grasped that fishery now yourself, and it grabbed you right back. Yeah, well, and and I was there long enough. Yeah, and the and the I mean, listen, the weather in Sitka was so perfect, we were able to do everything we wanted to do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, 100%. you could you could lose days easily up there, get stuck hiding somewhere, and, and we just got to do whatever we wanted to do. We wanted to run to the ocean, catch halibut. We did it. We want to go fish chinook. We did it. Um, and it it was just so much fun, and, and it you know. It took me a few days, but then you and I were clicking. We're like, you know, old married couple, and (laughs) like we don't even have to talk to each other. We know what each other are thinking, and and uh, got tuned in. And man, it just was perfect. Yeah, once you get tuned in, dialed in, such an experience. When when Team Yamaha, by the time Team Yamaha showed, which was your last partner, your your last group that you you helped me work. Um, it was, and we landed on the halibut, yeah. you know, and, and, and landed on some Chinook and, and it was, it was a great trip, but you want to want to make people hate you here in the Seattle market. Talk about how nice the weather was in Sitka for that last month. While this has been June gloom, Oof. holy smoke. So Kathy picks me up at the airport on, on Thursday when, you know, we're, you know, and we're, and we're coming back and left, you know, left Sitka, just posted a picture of. Here's here's the 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 Duckworth Sea Beast on the pallet, and then that's a that's a pallet Magnum pallet, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but it's so cool because they pick it up, put it on a, st- a stack of cans, and she'll be sailing down to Seattle here, you know, probably within the hour. I mean, yeah. that that barge leaves pretty quick, and uh, and it's a blue skies in the background, and I get picked up, and as we drop down into Seattle through the clouds, and it's just dark, darker and darker and darker and darker. I mean, we did, we never saw You're basically we, in a submarine. You're, we you're never underwater. We never saw the gray lead skies in Sitka. And, and dude, 
Bob Buchanan of Bomac, his first year in Sitka, we we literally could not get him offshore to even try for halibut. So we so I've seen the other side of that coin too. But we just it, it was amazing. It was Sitka Diego. I mean, seriously, it was it was seventy five degrees some days and just nuts weather. We were just riding the other side of that jet stream for a month. I, I just it was crazy. But so but back home here, we've we've got a lot to talk about this uh, the, this this rain on top of this massive snowpack has made river fishing challenging, yes, but I see farther-reaching positive implications for a whole lot of water. Funny thing about fish is it, it actually requires some water yeah. to, to have some fish. Yeah, nice cold water. Yeah, a lot of cold water. Yeah. And so that a lot of cold water for our out-migrant smolts in particular. Is huge. I mean, what's happening on the Columbia. Yes, you know, yes. Safe, safe passage. Yes, right? flushing. Yeah, you know, get them, get them out of there. Get them yes. away from all those birds and the seals and the sea lions and well, get them out into the ocean. And, and you'll tell, you'll, Buzz Ramsey will tell the story about, you know, how they're about ready to freaking shut the lights off on the Columbia and freaking close the door. And, well, that was fun with the salmon and the dams just destroyed them, right? But, but, then, but then we got a gift from Mother Nature, which was a cooler, more productive ocean, which we're seeing right now. Yes. And an amazing snowpack, which we're seeing right now. That resulted in amazing river flows and actually turned a series of reservoirs into a flowing, functioning river system again, which we're also seeing right now. Yeah. So, you know, the, the implications moving forward, especially with this uptick in production, thanks to the Pacific Salmon Commission and their, their initiative to increase small plants across the state by 20 million, ostensibly for southern resident killer whale prey availability. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's, it's wonderful. It's great. So, so not only are we seeing, you know, some some positive stuff because of this water right now, but it's got it's got far-reaching implications for the future, which we need. You know, I mean, you know, we need some we need some good news in the salmon and world, and I, and I think this. You know this this weather pattern is, is certainly providing fodder for optimism. Oh man, and and just the how quickly when the ocean straightens out. Look, what do we have in the Skykomish right now? What do we have uh, kind of all over the West Coast right now? We have steelhead returning to rivers, which we it has been dismal the last couple of years, and I'm you know I'm seeing on certain days more steelhead being caught on the Skykomish than Chinook. Right. That's so we just haven't had that, and that's a direct. Cause of the ocean, so straight absolutely, out. and and the reason for the dismal summer run plants was the lawsuit brought that prevented skimmenius drain steelhead from being ubiquitously planted across the state. They were picked because of their run timing. They were picked because of you know, a whole different, but it provided a wonderful summer run activity. Mm-hmm. So one of the first guests we had up in Sitka was former WDFW director uh, Phil Anderson. And and former uh, commission chair Larry Carpenter and and some of the conversations on that boat were was amazing and we're gonna I'm going to get those guys together and you and I are probably maybe even down to Bowie Ten or or we go out to Westport either either way but just to get a microphone in front of Larry and in front of Phil Anderson and have those conversations because if if there is one signature moment of of Phil Anderson's tenure as, as director of WDFW that he just absolutely reviles and regrets. It's the position that the group that shall remain nameless that brought the lawsuit mm-hmm. placed WDFW. They had WDFW by literally by the short and curlies with regard to hatchery production because Noah didn't do 
their homework and left a bunch of paperwork unsigned with regard to the hatchery genetic management plans. So the Fed, the federal government, left the door open for a lawsuit and the state had to pay the piper. And the piper that was paid was the loss of our summer runs and a lot of our winter run steelhead hatchery programs. Now, since they're in the Skykomish and the Snohomish system in particular, that management plan dictates that they use in-basin stock. Okay, now we're seeing more in-basin stock. Mm-hmm. Now they can bump up the numbers to what's allowed under this horrible lawsuit by this horrible group that purports to support wild fish, but they, but does, they hate fish. They hate fish. I think they hate, they hate hatcheries. Yeah, and which is which is stupid. Well, and, it, and look, what is it? What has it done? There's been no recovery no, of wild none. steelhead because of that. I mean, we've seen, <clears throat> you know, look, we just need to produce fish, so there's something for people to catch, and our rivers have fish in them, like. Come on, let's if, if you, let's get this straightened out. If you want, if if you want to have fish, and it's not a matter of wanting to have, we need to have fish. We need fish. Okay, we need to have salmon. The Pacific Northwest is salmon. Okay, you can't you can't take the two apart, right? Uh, and, and and I mean to no small extent, and I've said this a million times on air, but it, 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 the re, the repetitive nature of it does not make it less untrue. The 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 salmonids are the canary in our environmental mine shaft. If we render this area uninhabitable for salmon we're killing ourselves dude and we're gonna mm-hmm. see it you know we're gonna see it in a number of different ways that i really don't care to go into right now but you, you know you're you're making you're making the environment sicker you're 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 gonna make yourself sicker okay so so make a long story short i, I see a lot of reason for optimism right now and a lot of things heading in the right direction and 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 that that, that just fires me up and then what also fires me up is is the fact that we have a great show that we haven't even started yet okay we need to run it down so uh, our, our our buddy Ray Gombiski, and, and this kind of speaks to the ubiquitous nature of, of all these fish we're seeing everywhere, was out at Nia Bay bottom fishing, innocently trying to drop jigs <laughs> for, 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 for lings, and you know the rest of this story, oh, yeah. for lings and black rocks, only for them to be intercepted by Chinook, right? Yeah. So he's going to tell us that story, but Ray also uh, uh, works for murphyauction.com, and they have an amazing 800 firearm private collection which i was previewing this Dude. morning at about three twenty in the morning and, and i went through all there's about 756 so, of them i went through and, all of them. and this guy was a big game hunter extraordinaire and most of these are, are sporting bolt action dialed in really cool stuff so ray's going to talk about you know we're going to talk a little bit about next week's um, opener but also this this opportunity that to get the, the firearm a lifetime no question about it then the 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 the, the debacle that was the three-day season in, in Marine Area 11. I spoke with Art Tatchell at the Point Defiance Boathouse about this, which is ground central, you know, ground zero for, for this this nonsense. And and so the, the the troubling aspect of this, and I got a letter back from, or email back yesterday from WDFW with regard to we're managing this fishery to no small extent with WDFW test boats. And last year, a tribal test boat entered the the fray and then now this year they're using the tribal test boat data and the state test boat data and the two don't jibe match up or agree with each other at all and did this shorten the fishery potentially but dude you had a 200 fish quota for a june fishery that's 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 not a viable fishery you know come on 200 fish (laughs) 
there's 200 boats that come out of yeah. Point Defiance, man. So, so we're so Art, but Art's going to jump in. We're going to talk about this because there, there's some stuff about this that that there is very, very troubling. Um, also troubling is, is Captain Robbo Ensley's progress into Captain Krusty. <laughs> maybe, maybe troubling isn't exactly the right word for it, but nonetheless, it's a. It, 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 it's a metamorphosis that takes place annually, and so we're going to get. So Robbo does have the day off today, and this is the first time that I'm going to talk to Robbo that I've actually been south of him rather than being north of him in Sitka. And it, it's always interesting to compare notes, and then and just see how crusty he is. Oh at yeah, this point, oh yeah, right? absolutely. But with a day off today, I, I'm sure sure he's going to be better. Uh, the Northwest Outdoor Port presented by Les Schwab Tires, and of course uh, the Duckworth Wheelhouse Brock Heward, who is now. We we celebrated our ten year anniversary together in, in Sitka, right? I mean, this is his tenth year in Sitka, so, and he brought Dory Monson up there. Yeah, and he suggested that we eat halibut eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Did, did, of course, he did. Did you see that video? No. Good. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> you could you could go to the outdoor line on Twitter and, and see Brock and I mowing down raw you, halibut you, eyeballs. You did too. I'll, I'll show it to you, dude. Okay. What like a quarterback's gonna? challenge me to stuff and i'm not gonna do anything about it i mean come on i don't know if i could do it so well what go to go to the outdoor lines twitter feed and and you'll and you'll see it i retweeted (laughs) dory monson's deal about it that all that roy robinson's really where all right so check it out is are are we seeing right now a larger chinook return or are they showing up earlier because all this water is a chicken or egg deal so tell you what Wait, we and we definitely want to hear uh, you know what, what you're thinking about this. Text us up two zero six four two one three seven seven six. You also hit that uh, uh, Duckworth Reverse Chine Hotline eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Hit that too. Uh, and once again, that text number two zero six four two one three seven seven six. Give us ninety seconds, and we're gonna be right back here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station, and then Seattle Sports App. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. So check it out. Head over to the number 3 riversmarine.com. They have an absolute ton of Team 99 kickers in stock for under 3 grand and have everything from 2 horsepower and up. Absolutely priced to sell. Mention you heard it on the outdoor line, and uh, you get a free Yamaha hoodie for anybody that uh, walks in there and mentions the outdoor line. That's the number three, riversmarine.com. And uh, I tell you what, it went from a situation where you couldn't find motors now. Where, where it's st- and some of the bigger stuff is still more difficult to find, but uh, we, we may have to get that 60 pump and uh, slap it on that. Oh, slap it on that sled. That'd be awesome. That, that will, yeah, our, that our good buddy different. Chris Sherwood just went over to Three Rivers and got himself a brand new 115 nice. Yamaha for nice. his boat. Perfect. Yeah. All right. They owe him a hoodie. Okay. They, Officially. Yes. You heard it here I'll, first. I'll contact Dave. And, and, so, and, and so Ray, so Ray Gombiski is, is going to talk to us a little bit about this, but the, the stories that we're hearing from, you know, from Barkley Sound on down south end of vancouver island all these innocent little bottom fishermen are just getting beat up by all the chinook out there yeah and i've i've heard the same the same story a couple times from different guys about dropping pipe jigs and snagging chinook like they're just you know they're in 300 feet of water dropping <laughs> and the and the line stops at 100 and they're yes. like what's going on and then <laughs> oh what whoa. my my jig is floating yeah and then just <laughs> snag the chinook in the back so i i, I know you we're going to talk about is this a abundance or is this all this water and these fish are just flooding in here and, and um, 
I I want to think it's more abundance, and I feel like it is. I I'm hearing stories about guys being offshore and seeing acres of herring and chinook crashing on the surface like tuna. I mean, just sounds like there's a a lot of chinook around. And and so there's you, you have to look at a couple now. And then things. look at the Columbia. Look, look at, at the Columbia. Look, look the at Columbia. the Columbia right now. So so that's that's a great data point and, and something that I always kind of consider a benchmark. All right, so. The, the, the preseason forecast coming into the spring season was right around 100,000 fish. I have to really, really look and see if an in-season update by any of the man, uh, managing agencies, and now in the Columbia, it's called the Compact, it's Washington, Oregon, if a preseason forecast ended up getting doubled. Okay, this is, that that's, that, that's very significant, okay? Yeah. But the preseason forecast was just over a hundred grand, and now it's closer to a hundred ninety grand after the update, with a hundred and sixty four thousand over Bonneville. Okay, wonderful news. Great and, news. And uh, the one of the one of the strongest numerical you know metrics that you could have to really document the strength of of, of and, and the health of the ocean. What's coming this way? Okay, so so that's one thing. So. Are we on a Chinook abundance upswing? There's no question. It's reflected in the forecast. It's reflected in what's coming over the bar, you know, on the Columbia. But it's also being reflected here in Puget Sound by by encounters that we're hearing with blackmouth fishermen. So, so yes, I think it is, it is partially due to an increase in in abundance while we're, while we're seeing all these all these impacts or excuse me all these all these. Well, encounters. it makes sense. We have a, a healthier ocean, and we've been pumping out right. Tons of hatchery chinooks. So then the other thing you need to look at are what are the migrational stimulus for oceanic chinook, okay? One of the biggest ones is, is photo period, okay, with the, the changing daylight, but also an extremely strong one when they get close to their home waters are salinity contrasts. And when you have an influx of fresh water like we have, you know, salt water is a strong electrolyte, and you dilute it, and the salinity change from the Puget Sound to the ocean, moves through the water with the speed of electricity, okay? It is, it is something that they can feel, smell, and taste. And, and, and it pulls them in, dude. If you don't think, I mean, just in, in the fall, this situation is, is really stark because typically in September, we're at our seasonal low river flows, okay? How many times have we seen the Puget Sound coho bite absolutely shut off Yo, yeah. when it rains? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've seen... We, We've Those seen it fish end. Disappear. We've seen that thing end the Everett Coho Derby. Yeah, right? like it's over. It's over, man. Yeah. As soon and I'll never forget the first time that uh, way back when, and this is like twenty years ago. Joel Shangle and I are doing this, doing the show from across the street, right? You know, the other the, the other station, and we're doing this remote from the parking lot of the freaking Everett boat ramp. Seriously, with an old Honda generator, right? And at some point, somebody tripped over the cord and pulled it out, and the whole yeah. show went dark. But but it had been a nice Friday afternoon. We set this thing up. Oh, do, well, do you guys want to do one of those pop up tents? Nah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. So we're at the Port of Everett, just right next to the equator, <laughs> that that barn thing where the big old rotten boat is outside of Bayside, and it starts raining. And mm-hmm. I mean, it starts. It was pouring on Saturday morning, and that whole derby took place from the river. I mean, not not one of the top ten fish entered. Was, but but so that's that's a really extreme example, but. If you don't think a massive, unprecedented high water influences Chinook migration and sucks them in, dude, you you just you wait until Marine Area Ten opens up, which is soon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to open up the Coho, 
and we're gonna we're gonna see Chinook grabbing coho gear. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind on the 14th. So we're a little a little more than a month away now from our cherished Area Seven and Area Nine opportunities. We're two weeks basically away from areas five and six opening up. Okay, we're yep. a week away from marine areas three and three four, and four La Push and, and Neva. Yep. So it's, it's, I'm, I can't wait, man. I am absolutely fired up. So since I mentioned Nia Bay, let's pop out of here for a quick break and talk to somebody that was just at Nia Bay. So Ray Gombiski, murphyauction.com, joining us next here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI Shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. Welcome to the Tech Line, presented by BOMAC here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. So, we kind of been talking about Chinook a little bit, <laughs> starting the show, and I see no reason to change that uh, that game plan right now. Ray Gombiski, Gombo himself of the James G. Murphy Company, joining us this morning. Good morning and welcome to the show, Big Ray. What's up, buddy? Hello, good morning, fellas. How in the heck are you, man? Uh, good. Just getting getting ready for summer salmon season on the Puget Sound. So you were you happened to find yourself out at Nia Bay and you were you you, you were innocently trying to ping some uh ping some black rocks or some uh some lingcod, right? And you were near shore and you were dropping jigs, and and what happened? What happened? What happened? <laughs> the magic happened. <laughs> the magic. <laughs> Salmon eat white jigs too. <laughs> um, you know, I, I hooked about a six pound little black mouth, and it took off. And I looked up at the screen, and we were right over a rock, and you could see on the Raymarine just the arcs. And I told my father-in-law and buddy, I'm like, hey, man, drop them down. Let's see what happens, because I've already got one going. <laughs> and before I know it, all three of us are off. And, you know, we had a six, an eight, and one about 13, 14 pounds. All hatchery Chinook right there along the rocks at Nia Bay. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, these are all clipped, and we got to let them go. <laughs> <laughs> which is, yeah, which is absolutely one of the dumbest things. You got You have a hatchery fish. Mm-hmm. It's that's absolutely destined for harvest in the hands of, of a sportsman. Of a man who would yeah, happily I mean, harvest and it. Eat yeah. it. Yes, oh, yeah. Best. So when, when you're jigging out there and you're doing, were you using, you were using kind of smaller white, like a Puget Pounder or, or a Point Wilson dart style jig? What, what were you, what were you on? Yeah, I, you know, a lot of guys like to toss uh, light jigs. Yeah. Um, I use about a, a four ounce. Yeah. Just a, a Point Wilson style white dart. Sometimes a little pink tip. Sometimes a little root beer. Sure. Um, you know they're a little grabbier, so I like them with a single hook. But I, my my crew sometimes isn't real great at casting the right. scampy tails or the grubs, and and they're really I've got them honed in on these darts, and they're rockfish slaying machines. Dude, man. they That's are a lot of fun. Yeah, and so we were using. The Puget Pounders rigged sliding, and that was our that was our game plan at Nia Bay. You know, we went out to CQ and ran west, and dude, everything eats them. Yeah, everything. everything the black them. rocks eat them. Sure. The 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 ling eat them. And if you get a little black rock, and you want to just keep him down there, <laughs> what did Gogan, what did Gogan do? <laughs> last you know, the last ling we got, he knew he had a rockfish on. And he just didn't reel it in. He just yeah. left it down there. And you and can he, you can feel. Yeah, you're you like, can, uh, yeah. that one's that probably one. that, those aren't worth. Yeah. Uh, that's a taco and a half, <laughs> yes. maybe. Just I'm, leave that. Let that guy hang. I'm going to trade that taco 
for some for some for deep a, fry. Yeah, for a Mondo burrito. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, but, so but, good. But so, and we've been rigging them sliding, right? And and one of the things, so I, when you got up to the boat, Joey, for one thing, we had a bunch of them that that Bob had bent the bottom eye on and bent the top eye on. Okay, well that makes them slide really really fast. I just got in a hurry one day. And I didn't have a time to bend them, and I was just so I so I left the eyes straight. And they slide a little slower. They slide slower, yeah. and it's perfect. Yeah, it is absolutely perfect. They work great. So, are you are you rigging those things, Ray, just tight to the jig itself, or are you kind of a slide and rig kind of guy? You know, if if I'm going to to jig iron over salmon, yeah, I'm going to slide them. But right. if I'm fishing a four dollar white jig for rockfish yeah and i break one off every right 20 minutes i'm yeah. just tying them on there yeah and and, and the um, other the other thing you can do is use that assist hook on top because we were that's the way we were we were rigging them for rockfish is putting a big split ring on the bottom the, those and, assist hooks are dead yeah the assist hook on the top eye and a solid eye you know a split ring to a mm-hmm. you know to like a gamakatsu four out whatever on the bottom so well right. all right so so you have an apology to make to my co-host Joe Pyburn because he got up at like three o'clock this morning and went through a list, a grid of eight hundred firearms. So, so yeah. tell us all about this because this, this, what you were t- talking to me about yesterday is crazy. This is one private collection that's on the block of eight hundred sporting arms. Yeah, we had uh, a family member of a, a gentleman uh, contact us and say, hey, my father-in-law passed away, and he had a great gun collection. I'm not really sure how to move this many guns at once safely and legally. And he says, this is something you can look at. I go, well, sure. I'm like, how many guns are we talking about? And he goes, well, 800. Oh, <laughs> and, you, you know, you, you you kind of take him back a little bit when you hear that story, and then you're like, wow, that's a lot of guns for one guy. I go out and look at it, and sure enough, there's 800 guns. And it's it's everything a sportsman would want to have. Uh, there, there's not a lot of tactical weapons. It's, it's a lot of pistols, a lot of wheel guns. He's got lever actions, shotguns. Um, but I think one of the... the the highlights of the sale or the guns um, is all the bolt action hunting stuff. Yeah, that's in there. there's a lot of it. That, Joey. Yeah, and if if you get all the way to the end, there's a lot of really cool like air rifles and and pistols. Which um, I I grew up with, you know, air rifles, uh, pellet guns, and he's there's quite a collection there of some really really cool like 22 caliber caliber air rifles. Um, Definitely some stuff I'll be bidding on. Well, and, and so I'm, I, I know I'm on page four now, and here's a Thompson Center Arms contender. I mean, there's so many guys that, that will swap that barrel out for a 410, right? And, 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 that's a, and you can't get those anymore. How about a Magnum Research Lone Eagle? When's the last time you <laughs> talked to anybody about Magnum Research? But, there, but there's, uh, there's Brownings and Colts. There's muzzleloaders in there. Oh, man. All it's it's insane. So, so how do people view this? How do people get involved? And if something catches their eye for a Father's Day present to themselves, or maybe to somebody else, how does somebody um, go go shopping, if you will? There, yeah. So way. it's it's an auction. So everything is sold um, online. The auction opens 
June 22nd and closes June 29th, so a little early for Father's Day. Not really. Uh, we'll not, have an in-person really. preview where you can actually come and look at the entire collection June 27th and 28th at wow. our location in Kenmore. Um, you know, right now the guns are held off-site in a secure location, but we're going to bring them in with security, and and uh, we're going to put 800 guns out, and there'll be a table, and you'll be able to look at one at a time, just like a gun store, um, and, and inspect them. Uh, the online auction portion will be at murphyauction.com for that whole week. Um, you can make advanced bids. You can go through the list. You can print off a catalog and do your homework. Um, and then uh, on the... The 29th of June at 9 o'clock, guns start to close, and that's when it gets interesting. So I'm looking at this Ruger Model 7722, which is a deer rifle weight bolt action 22. You, If you want to get nasty bad at, 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 at shooting a bolt action, you can buy a brick, get that Ruger 7722, and practice and practice and practice. I'm seeing Winchester Model 70s. I mean, all these guns... That you know, as a kid, that I just you know, Colt Sowers, which is an amazing, you know, with the jeweled action. Yeah. I mean, dude. So go to MurphyAuction.com and check these out. Ray, you got a cool job, man. That is that is some cool <laughs> stuff, dude. But you also got one. We're, we're currently airing ads for a for a heavy equipment auction you got going on that has got a couple boats, right? Yeah, there's a a, a nice uh, ninety seven trophy big twin two and a quarters on it with. Uh, a new kicker, new electronics. There's a really clean old glass ply in there for guys that like that. I know a lot of guys around here do. Um, so you kind of never know what we've got over there at the auction company. But uh, <clears throat> I think uh, for the sportsman, this gun one's pretty tough to, to ignore. Yeah, no question about it. Ray, we thank you for your time this morning, buddy. We'll, uh, we're <laughs> we're going to be spending a bit of time going through these. I hope Kathy isn't listening because uh, we may be having a new addition to the family gonna have to get another money, get another yeah. gun safe yeah, we go. yeah. yeah we're not even gonna go there right now because mm-hmm. i don't know how you store 800 but that's crazy he's ray gombis he go to murphyauction.com the james g murphy company ray we'll talk to you soon buddy and you got to come up let's go bend a rod this summer brother yeah definitely all nice, right, thanks, nice talk to you ray all right we're gonna yep. pop out here for a quick break coming right back at you with ray marine picks of the week and Art Tatchell of the Point Defiance Boathouse and the Area 11 debacle coming at you next here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 7th and the Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the Outdoor Line Picks of the Week, presented by Ray Marine Electronics. Don't just go fishing, go hunting underwater. Ray Marine, simply superior. They're not fish finders anymore. They're not chart plotters. The name of the game these days are multifunction navigational displays, both fluid touch and hybrid touch displays. Ray Marine Navigation puts you in command. With the speed and simplicity of Lighthouse 4 operating system. Go check that out at more, raymarine.com. So, you know, one of my picks this week is definitely going to be the sockeye opener on the Skagit, okay? I spent enough time and counting towers knowing that those things are going to run this far off the beach. Yeah. They're going to well, <laughs> they're right gonna now be, they're going to be in the they're going to be in the sticks. They're going to be in the, in the trees. In the weeds. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But that's going to be a cool fishery. But another pick would have absolutely been Marine Area 11. Sure. Were it still open. So, I just got back into town on Thursday, so I had to I had to call down to the nerve center of Marine Area 11, none of the Point Defiant Boathouse and get Art Tatchell who joins us now. Good morning, Art, and welcome to the show. Morning, sir. Good morning. 
Well, why don't you guys? We're, we're, well, it would be great. It would be better if uh, we had a live Marine Area 11 report. So r- run that down, Art. What, what the heck, man? Um, basically, um, let me back up to that last year, for example. Um, we had a quota in our area of 3,080 fish with an opener on June 16th, and then it just ran till the end of the quota which ended, oh, August 26th, which coincidentally has ended August 26th, the last three or four years. Coincidence, I'm not sure. Um, so this year, we, we also got a quota, um, but we got a June 1 opener, and um, we had a lump quota of 3,380 fish, and everybody was pretty excited about that. Um, and then at Two weeks before the opener, they said, oh, by the way, and they, I mean the department, said that you have a um, quota for the month of June of uh, 500 uh, in, what was it, 580 fish or something like that. Yeah, So at that point, it was like, whoa, wait a minute here. So it wasn't lumped all together, right? So instead of having 3,380 fish, now we got 580 fish. Um, we haven't had a June 1 opener in a number of years, but historically, and I've been around a few years, I've been here for 48 years and fishing these waters for pretty close to 60, um, and June 1's always good. It is always good. The first week, week and a half to two weeks of June. Um, I knew that coming in. Hatchery numbers were up. So I, I got a hold of... Um, the department uh, personnel and say, hey, can we can we go to five days a week? You know, I'm, I'm concerned we're going to run out of fish right away. And um, I was told um, by their professionals that, um, oh, we should make it at least three weeks. And I'm going, nah, I don't know. Yeah. So long story short, the fishing was great. Um, it's very exciting. And we were done in three days. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty hard to get all those statistics together in three days you know so um the department had a couple of test boats out there well actually they had one they had one test boat yes and then the the local tribes had a test boat out as well so they they basically relied on those test boats and um what they did um the department personnel that ran their test boat fish were i would say the majority of fishermen were fishing um, which and, which only um, makes which only makes sense if the fleet is targeting partic- by the sport by the fleet I mean the sport fleet <clears throat> is targeting a certain area then it is imperative that the test boats focus their efforts where the highest recreational effort is it's just it's it's a you know in, in any study of statistics if you're not sampling within a grid that has the effort that you're trying to manage, it's an invalid study. Exactly. And so the department came up with uh, uh, a legal marked fish catch of 80% in that area by using um, um, personnel in the boat that have fished the area. Uh, the gentleman, one of the gentlemen used to work for me for, for a number of years. Um, and so they used light gear in the area where the biggest concentration of boats were and that's where your impacts, true impacts, really are. Um, now, the tribal boat, from what I understand, looking at their, their uh, mapping, 
um, fished in a more general area. So, the, uh, you know, a little bit of all of Area 11, even in areas where there were no fishermen or very few. Um, so they, they basically got a different, totally different uh, catch rate. Um, so what they did was take the tribal catch rate, and we'll put that at, Which, I got the numbers here, 37.5% of legal marks and uh, legal unmarked 25%. And then the uh, WDFW legal marks were 80% and legal unmarks were 23%. So they combined the two and averaged it out. So basically, they took numbers from areas that aren't fished at all or lightly fished in Marine Area 11 for this time of year, right? And they combined the two and come up with that uh, with that impact on uh, legal uh, unmarked. So now we would we would have hit our quota anyway. There's no argument there. Yeah, we were gonna for sure. Out, right, right. But my concern going forward is these other areas, if you're not using the legitimate numbers that really show where people are spending their time fishing in the right gear, then your impacts, to me, statistically aren't legitimate. And, and that's my concern, and it should be everyone. It should be everyone's concern, especially... So this protocol of of the, of WDFW um, using tribal sport test fishing only started last year this year in an email from kirsten simonson our our uh, our manager that we work with she's a puget sound recreational salmon biologist states that this protocol is going to be in place this year in marine areas nine ten and seven okay so the in her email yesterday it says which you were included on this includes summer fisheries in, in 9, 10, 11, and winter fisheries in, in also 10 and 11. So anybody that spent any time on a water fishing salmon knows darn well that you want to target. We want to take a fish home to eat it, okay? So we're going to target our the areas in which we have the highest chance of success. In Marine Area 11, dude, that's the clay banks. And, and always has been and always will be. But on the other hand... If Joey, you and I want to go find Shaker Blackmouth, we can go find Shaker Blackmouth. Yeah. If you troll the beaches with smaller gear, in particular, away from terminal areas, you're going to find Blackmouth. Mm-hmm. You're going to find Blackmouth in the same places you're going to find cutthroat trout, for instance. Right. The the, the cutthroat guys, they'll they'll encounter some smaller some sublegals. Okay. So if you want to skew the numbers, it's it's easy to do so. And if you're not focusing your sampling effort in the area that is most commonly fished by the recreational fleet, then these, then, then this protocol is fairly easy in my mind to challenge art. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, just like you said, um, personally I fish and I try to educate people as much as possible. Stay away from the shakers. Um, I'm straight up. I'll tell you. Yeah. And I'll tell you where the legal, um, size fish are going to be. And there's certain areas, you know, where you're going to consistently catch legal size fish, your best odds. So why mess around somewhere else? And also, 
why use gear that are is not going to get you those legal unmarked fish or marked fish? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that's the goal here, and that's what most I would say eighty five ninety percent of the people that fish out here try to do. I mean, they want something to take home. You know, um, I fished. I took that uh, the first, second, third, and fourth off, and I fished uh, all four days. I fished uh, those three days, and in a area very close to marine area 11 i'll i'll say so there should be no difference in the composite of of fish we limited every single day i never had a shaker i never had a unmarked or, or unmarked fish so in my mind i'm going yeah maybe i got a little lucky and didn't hook one unlock unmarked fish but um, their numbers just didn't bear out as far as I'm concerned uh, in the legal unmarked. Well, this, and it got skewed this, the different testing. So our only recourse for this, it, this issue, this season was pointed out and fairly by, by Kirsten Simonson yesterday. It, and she says, and I quote, we would like again to reiterate the point that we made an email yesterday. If, if anglers would provide us with a V with VTR information, we'd have additional information to compare what we're, we're missing or what we're seeing in these fisheries or what anglers are telling us at the dock. So, in my opinion, the department has done absolutely nothing with regard to promoting the fact that you can get VTR or voluntary trip report forms on wdfw.wa.gov. If, if the department has made an effort to promote this and I've missed it, I apologize. Art, have you seen anything with regard to um, VTRs being re- made readily available to the general public or even the public being made aware that there is an option to download these forms and, 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 and fill them out? Um, I don't think a good effort. Um, we uh, met with Ann Stevenson, who's oversees that, that uh, department or that um, whatever agency, part of the agency, and we got a group of guys together. It was about 10 guys. And we were going to do that. In fact, we did the last two summers. We went online, gave them the information. Every day we fished, right? And it was guys that fished a lot. So they could get this valuable information. We went through this whole thing about how valuable it was, right? So we did that. And then we asked, hey, give us a report at the end of this the season so we can, you know, wrap our brains around it. We haven't received that information yet. And then at the end of last season, there was a comment made by one of their modelers that basically all recreational fishermen lie. Therefore, we're going to rely on the test fishing boats. So here you got a department that's saying, we want these. And then they're saying, we're lying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that kind of gave us a black eye uh last year because there's guys that really worked their butts off to give them that information and then we're told it was no good there's there's a there was a there was a t-shirt out several years ago that really describes wdfw's attitude towards recreational fishermen and i think it goes something like this the beatings will continue until morale improves (laughs) right and and i mean the department has such a massive credibility gap in, in 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 their dealings with the public um, it's, you know, I, and I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping that some of their recent hires are going to address this, but listen, if, if you want to involve the public, if you're, if you're asking the public to do something, then share us the information. Okay. We'll do it. Tell us what we need to do and we'll do it. 
the the advantage to submitting VTRs, voluntary trip reports, is this. It gives the department additional data points. And they like to use this VTR, lack of VTR submissions, you know, as as a stick to whack us. Hey, listen, if you guys would do this, if you guys would do this, and then, like you just pointed out, Art, this an, an effort, a good faith effort was made by you to do just that. So we've we've got some more uh, digging to do on this issue, but it's something we need to watch moving forward, okay? If the data provided oh, by the WDFW sample crew is showing one end of the spectrum and the co-manager's boat is showing the other end of the spectrum and it's predictable, come on, right? I mean, we're trying to manage these fisheries and, and do the best we can, and I just WDFW needs to show us that they're making good faith efforts to do the same. Oh, absolutely. I think everybody is more than happy to volunteer, and we all do, right? I mean, we give so much, but it doesn't seem like they really value or recognize that. And I think they could get all the STRs they want, and I encourage people to do it, truthfully. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, encourage it, promote it, pat people on the back instead of, you know, uh, the other way around. It exactly. Like and so I, I would ask this. If if you guys on the text toy today, give us a text, and, and that's and that's two zero six four two one three seven seven six. If you've ever heard of of a VTR or an STR, or or you know, if you've heard anything about it, let us know. Or even if you ha- you haven't, and we'll try to do a little something on social media to kind of get the word out about these. Because if they get these forms and they use them as they should. We should get a more fair shake. Because- well, and, and look, if they want to promote this or advertise this, they have a way to do it. All they got to do is ask us to mention it Dude, on the show, I've, I've, or be, I've, or or come on the show and let's yeah. talk about it. And and we, you know what? That's probably that's probably a great guest idea for next week. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll do something about that. But again, go to wdfw.wa.gov and do a search on on VTRs or STRs or their their voluntary trip reports. And actually fill them out truthfully, and they we will get a more fair shake because it's another data point. And I don't, Art, I really don't think they can choose to disregard these reports, can they? Well, what I mean, well, we're all liars, we, though, right? Yeah, all, right. And yeah, so yeah. that comment, that comment, like I said, really, really make, made me wonder. I'm like, right. well, wait a minute, here. Yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> I Be- want to help you out <laughs> because because the government never lies. <laughs> no, no, the government always. Now listen, and, I and have media, turned, and the media tells I us have the turned a eleven and a half pounder into a thirteen pounder. I'm not, you know, I'm guilty not, of that. Not me. Uh uh-uh, uh <laughs> No. Uh uh-uh. Art Tatchell, Point Defiance Marina, dude. Thank you very much for joining us today, and and, and we appreciate. It. Always great to talk with you, Art. And, and thanks for everything you do, Art. No doubt, man. And let's and, and definitely let's keep in touch on this issue. And, and Art's going to come fishing with us. This Art, summer. you got to come fishing with us. He promised me he would finally All right. come fishing with us. It's it's a big we boat. We got to get out there and get that done. It'll be a lot of fun, I'm sure. And we'll lie thanks about how guys. big they were. <laughs> going to tell the craziest lies. Our our, our tatchel catches a 50 pound hatchery fish, <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, or, or a 12 yeah. pounder, either way. Yeah. Art, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, thanks, guys. All Take right, care. man. Right. Jam-packed hour two coming at you. Rob, Krusty, Captain Ensley. The Northwest Outdoor Report brought to you by Les Schwab Tires. Our dear friend Brock Heward, who has survived ten seasons in Sitka and R- eating halibut eyeballs. <laughs> the, uh, ugh, that gross. Okay, that may have happened. That that may absolutely have. Roy Robinson's really wearing a pile more. We're right back with the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station seven ten, Seattle Sports App.